Okay. Well, I have to say, as a compliment to you all, my Donna for you, uh, that having taught many times here, this feels like the most energized group at five minutes to four. <laughs> you win! But seriously, it's great, actually, uh, including this material, which could feel very kind of heavy and all that. Um, I wanted to uh, respond to two things that people brought up at the break. And in the case of the second person, use that as a segue into the relationship material here. So the first thing is, just here, uh, where am I? Recognizing protections. So this thing about feeling that you're all right right now it's, it's a deceptively simple practice, and yet I think it's quite profound. Because as I said, uh, this auto-craving you know, that Mother Nature has installed in her brain, it shows up in multiple ways. But in terms of our safety needs, it's this ongoing trickle of irrational anxiety. The subtle background trickle of uneasiness, subtle apprehensiveness, subtle vigilance, that has no actual basis in the moment, at least, in any kind of threat. So tuning into the body's signals when they're authentically true, which is most of the time, that you're actually all right, is a very important way to push through delusion, a subtle kind of delusion around feeling threatened when there's actually no threat. It's an important practice. So one way to do this practice, of course, is to, like it says here, tune into the bodily signals that there is enough air. The heart's beating. The viscera, the inner organs, are telling the brain, you're okay. You're okay. That's such a wonderfully available signal to us. It's just there right all the time, most of the time. Okay. Second, protections. It's to realize that uh, it's to be aware of things like the walls of this room, like, oh yeah, our cave, right? We're not exposed. Uh, you know, it's interesting that the Buddha, metaphorically or literally, sat at the base of a tree his night of awakening. The tree had his back, so the threats that were coming at him had to come from the front. The tree had his back. If you think of it, we were prey, our ancestors, long before we were significant predators. Most animals in the wild die in the moment of being attacked and eaten by a predator, if you think about it. So, and predators often are ambush predators. There you are, hanging out in the jungle, and kaboom, someone, something attacks from the rear. Right? So to feel that you're protected, that the Bodhi tree has your back, right? your wingman, your wingwoman, whatever, your friends, your allies, the mind is a dangerous neighborhood. Don't go in alone. Uh, they're with you. That's important. And also recognizing things like, okay, it's not perfect, but I do have a home. It does have a lock on the front door. Uh, I was thinking about the things that uh, I said to our son when he was, couldn't sleep because he was scared of the dark. Uh, just going through the list, the neighbor's dogs that bark at anything. You know? <laughs> if you don't hear them barking, trust me, you're safe. The, the locks, the people who care about you. The fact that you have, hopefully, some you know, credit card. 
you can borrow money if you need to to get out of a pickle. Maybe not, but to whatever extent it is true that you have protections. That's what that one is about right there. Okay? And then, in terms of my sequence here, I have this material about the approaching uh, reward system. And I'd like to move through it kind of quickly because my feeling about the room is that where the juice is, is relationships. Or as Jean-Paul Sartre said, hell is other people. <laughs> so I think we, I want to reserve the bulk of our remaining time for relationships, okay? Going home for the holidays. So I'll just do a couple. Th- is that okay, anybody? And happy to talk later. Um, okay, so the approaching system. I just think that there's something that's very interesting that's available to us in, our, in the nature of experience itself. That if you actually look at this moment, it's not a million-dollar moment. We're not in Maui with that Technicolor sunrise with you know, the helicopter landing, bringing the millionaire matchmaker with your chosen one, you know, <laughs> and you just won the lottery. It's just an ordinary moment. And yet, in the moment, you can look directly. Sounds, sights, there's so much happening in our experience in each moment. The brain is filtering out stimuli. So, and it's easier to see this when you're meditating, but you can do it just in regular life as well, that you can realize, wow, if you're kind of open to all the sounds, all the sights, all the visual data, you know, all the internal sensations, all the thoughts kind of bubbling away. It's like, whoa, there's so much. It's almost overwhelming there's so much in any moment of experience, including a difficult moment, that that tends to undo grasping for more. There's already a fullness in experience itself, even everyday experiences. All right? Get that? That's really, really pretty powerful. Okay, that's what that is about. There's two minutes on that or less. Good. Ready? Then, good facts. Um, you know, I, I've become kind of a, I don't know what to call it, a gladness gratitude connoisseur of all the silly opportunities for a good experience, all the silly little good facts around us. Like, in my, you know, like routinely, I'll just do a thing where my mind starts to, I'll do it right now. This my gaze, like I'm looking at the light bouncing on the these tiles up above, and it's so pretty. Like wow. And then light. Wow, you turn a switch, we get light. Like that's pretty cool. And then you just anything. People. Like man right there, mustache wearing glasses. I have contact lenses in. Thank you, contact lenses. Thank you, glasses. Yeah? Wow, yeah, or just wild stuff. So you take it. Think about opportunities for feeling glad or grateful already. What a wonderful way to internalize a felt sense of of reward, strengthen contentment, so that as we go through life, we already feel full. Accomplishing goals, very important, especially for those who like me are very much caught up in doing big doers. So if you're going to be a doer, um, really look for those chances to feel complete, successful at little goals, email by email, delete button by delete button, <laughs> dish by dish, right? Uh, accomplishment by accomplishment. 
looking for that. Another one is to recognize the goodness that's already inside you. I think so much of, uh, as Tara Brock quotes the saying, all homesickness, all sickness at bottom is homesickness. All sickness is homesickness. We've been driven by the ancient forces of Mother Nature and also by the modern forces that create fear, frustration, and heartache. Uh, We're driven from our resting state, the green zone, our home base, our natural condition, Buddha mind, Buddha nature, our natural state. We're driven away from that when we feel like there's some sense of deficit or disturbance in safety, satisfaction, and connection. So reclaiming a sense of our resting state, including your own goodness, is an important way to come home again. We can look at other people. Don't you have people in your life? You just think to yourself, oh yeah, she's a good person. Oh yeah, he's a good person. That's a good kid. What a nice old grandma. What a nice grandpa. I went traveling with my dad recently. He's 95. And um, it's funny because he, he really talks a lot. And... Uh, <laughs> He was te- he's a retired professor, a zoologist, and he was teased at his retirement uh, by his department chair at the time, uh, this was 20 years ago, who brought literally a stack of computer paper in, one of those, you know, like in the old days, they'd have these huge stacks of computer paper, and uh, the old days, you know, like 1990. But anyway, um, and the guy said, joking, he said, yeah, Bill wrote a memo, my dad's name is Bill, and I brought it here for you today, and he started peeling off reams of paper, or he started laughing, my dad is a, you know, he grew up on a ranch in North Dakota where if you met people, you'd hang out and talk to them for hours because you never met anybody. So anyway, so that said, I kept watching again and again and again how everybody's just looking at him on the, we were on a ship and then on land and because he's just a nice old guy, you know, a nice old guy. So think about how easy it is to recognize that another person is a good person. How about bringing that recognition to oneself, that same standard? so that you could feel in your heart you are a good person. Like I can tell you, it's like a final taboo to tell people you're a good person. I'm going to break the taboo. I really am a good person. You too. Anybody else a good person in here? There are a few others? Good. Are there any, in some sense we're all perfectly imperfect. In another sense, I'm not a perfect person. I'm still going, but I know in my heart that I'm actually a good person. I have good intentions, I try, I have good qualities. I'm a basically good person. I'm, I'm a good enough good person. Okay? Right. Guess what? You are too. And letting that sink in and bre- breaking through that taboo and sticking up for yourself to yourself, let alone to other people. You know, I'm a good person. Someone comes at you, their frame of reference says you're a bad person. No, 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 no. Wrong dharma. Bad footing here. Got to establish some basics. I'm a good person. And I really screwed up royally. So let's fix it. But I'm a fundamentally good person. Okay? Hey, enough. The attaching system. So here, 